God, we give all this to you. This moment, Lord God, that we give to you, we're just asking God that you would just be celebrated in our praise and our worship of your greatness, Lord God. We do give our hearts to you. We adore you. We love you, God. We're so thankful for all you do. Lord God, in all you are, in our situations, in our places, we thank you in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. God is good. Amen. 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 If you have your Bibles, if you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. And um, what a great service that we've been a part of today. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. I'm in the NIV, and it says this. It says, The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So for the next couple moments, I'd like to talk to you about this topic. That it isn't our fleshly weapons, it isn't our guns, bombs and guns, but it's the spiritual weapons that God has that we are to use as we advance the kingdom against darkness, against evilness. So for the next couple moments, not bombs and guns, we'll talk about, pray with me, precious Lord, I'm so grateful for you. I pray, God, that you just speak to our hearts and that you would open us up to the, really the deepness of your word and of what is close to your heart. We thank you. We love you. We honor you. In the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right, go ahead and have a seat. It's good to have you here. You know, um, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of David and Goliath, Right? David and Goliath, and many of you know that story, um, but uh, if I could just kind of set it up for a second, the story of David and Goliath, it starts off with a Philistine champion um, who has come, and the Philistines are now going to try and attack the Israelites, okay, and so there's this big battle, war, and um, what they decided is that they would send out their champion. They would send out their Philistine champion known as Goliath, right? The first giant that we are really uh, engaged with um, as we jump into the scriptures. Of course, there's, they talk about giants in different areas and different lands and such and so forth. But, but this is the first one that comes against um, the Israelites. And so what they decided is that he would get up every morning and, and Goliath would go out into the middle of the field and he would challenge them, the Israelites. And he said, hey, send me your champion and then we'll fight together. And whoever wins, right, the other will be their slaves, right? Rather than all the bloodshed of getting all of the armies to come out here and we're going to slaughter you anyway, basically is what he's trying to say. We will do that. Well, right at that moment that this is happening and this intimidation is happening, the Israelites are, are cowering in a sense. They are afraid to interact. They're afraid to do battle. And, and nobody wants to step into the ring with Goliath. And so at that same moment that that's happening, another story 
is intersecting with this story, right? And the story is of David, a little shepherd boy who his brothers are in the military and uh, his father has asked him to come and take, bring some food and some different things, resources uh, for his brothers. And, and so he shows up and, and as he's walking in, I can, I can see it in my mind's eye. I don't know what version this is. Just go with me, right? But I can see in my mind's eye that as he's walking up, some guy walks out in the middle of the field and he starts yelling at all the Israelites and he starts berating them and, and trying to intimidate them and, and, and he starts telling them that he's going to take them out and kill them and all that kind of stuff and enslave them and, and, and right? He's going to, and, and, and David's response is this iconic, iconic scripture, this iconic word and he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that would dare to defy the very armies of the living God? Right? I mean, kind of cool, right? I mean, right? Those are the one of those moments like, I am your father. No, probably not, right? But this is one of those iconic, like, iconic words. And, and so um, there, there's another story that kind of ensues. And then this kind of sends ripples through the Israelites because they're like, what in the world? You're not afraid, right? Now, they might not be saying that. They might, they might hide it and say, hey, listen, you're just coming because you want to see what's happening in the battle. You're just like a little boy peering through a window. How dare you to try and show your little boy's courage and everything. So someone says, you know what? Let's, let's call him on his little courage thing. And so they bring him before the king. And, and uh, the king Saul says, hey, listen, what's going on? He's like, I want to take him out. Put me in coach. That's a different version as well. I'm paraphrasing a lot. Put me in, right? And he's like, okay, I, I can do that. I, I'll put you in. You're going to go out and you're going to kill him. Hey, you never know. He has a puncher's chance, right? Or he has a swords chance or whatever they used back then, right? He, it might happen and then we're good, right? And so here is where the tension lies. And, and I'm in 1 Samuel chapter 17, 38 through 40. So if you can just jump there with me real quick. I'm in the NIV and, and it says this, then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on a sword over his tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. He says, I cannot go in these. Now, wait a minute. I, let's just, for a second, let's just talk. If I'm the king, I'd be like, listen, what do you mean you can't go in these? Why are you even saying that? Do you not understand that the pointy thing that I put in your hand is to take out the big guy? And the thing that I put on you is to protect against pointy things. Right? And so here, here's, here's Saul and he, or David, and he says, he, he further clarifies, and he says, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Now, it's, what's interesting to me is that when we talk about spiritual warfare, we talk about um, there's, there's going against evilness, right, in this world. Um, the world has a lot of different ideas of how to do that. They take out their guns. They take out their bombs, right? But God has not called us to using bombs and guns. He called us to doing a spiritual warfare. Amen. He even said in our opening scripture that we fight not, that we don't use the weapons of the world. So here's David having that clarity of moment. And he's like, I don't use this all the time. What I use 
and he puts his hand in his pocket and he takes out this leather strap and he goes down to the brook and he picks up five little smooth stones. And the reason why he did that, some people think that he, just in case he missed, but I don't think that David was going to miss. Some theologians think that it was because Goliath had four different brothers. Now imagine the courage and the vision for that. Right? Not only am I going to take him out, but I'm going to take out his four brothers who are going to try and avenge him. See, I think sometimes as we're walking in our life with God and we're trying to live our life and we're kind of in this place where like, you know what? As long as nobody bothers me, I'm fine. I will go home. I'll read my Bible. I'll do my little prayer. I'll, I'll come to church. I'll get my Jesus on, right? But the truth is, is that we've been called to be an army for the Lord. Now, when I say army for the Lord, I'm not talking about attacking people, right? This is not code for some jihad. Are you with me? Right? God doesn't see evilness as a person. There's an evil influence. There's that in it. And so he says, hey, listen, I don't want you to fight with the weapons that the world would use. I want you to use the weapons that are that actually take care of the issues. Hmm. I feel like you need a scripture. Okay. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 16, 12, 6, 12. Did I say that? This is for the clarity. Now, by the way, Ephesians chapter 6 is, talks about the armor of God, by the way. These are things that God has given us in our spiritual warfare. Right? He's given us the helmet of salvation. Very quickly, the, quickly, the helmet of salvation is to, to protect our salvation. That it's about our mind of focusing on God and, and putting our life and in, in you know, all in God. Right, That's that. Or the breastplate of righteousness, if you're with me in, um, in uh, Ephesians chapter 6. Breastplate of righteousness, that is to protect your heart. That's to have your heart pure and have it, have it, have it uh, protected from, from not doing, from doing unrighteousness, right? That's what that is. And, and then he says the belt, and the belt is, is to be of truth. And that is kind of like at your core. At my core, it's all about truth, right? It's all about me having the, the truth of Jesus Christ in my life, right? And then it says that the feet shod with the gospel of peace, right? The idea with that is that our boots are made for walking. I'm talking about the mission of God, not the old country song, Right? The mission of God, that, that the gospel is the thing that changes people's lives, that transforms people's lives, right? That's what I'm talking about. And then he says, and by the way, what else I have is I'm going to give you a shield, shield of faith, right? That means that your faith can stand against, the Bible actually says that the shield of faith is to stand against the wiles of the devil, King James Version, or, or the arrows, or the uh, accusations, or, or the 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 things that, that would try to come against and destroy or, or take apart your faith, right? That's, that's what the shield of faith is for. And then he says, the sword of the spirit, the pointy thing that actually goes in and it rightly divides, right? It, 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 it changes things. It, 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 it adjusts the, the environment. It, that's what it is. So what he's talking about is he's talking about weapons that we use in spiritual warfare. It's not against people. Like I said, it's against pushing back evilness. 
letting our light so shine brightly before men and women, right? So here is David, and, and he is about to do this. He, he, he's about to show this, this power that he has, right? And we as Christians, we have one too. Not Bombs and Guns actually comes from a song. It's called Praise Him for the Victory. Um, starts off with lift up your voice and sing for joy. Clap your hands with a joyful noise. Yep, these are awesome parts to it. And then it says this. It says, the weapons that we use are not bombs and guns, but worship is the way that the battle is won. Right? We, we have different types of weapons, and they're not bombs and guns. We have different types of weapons that we use in pushing back evilness. Try it once, right? You know, when, when you start finding yourself in a situation when you're feeling depressed or intimidated or something, just turn on some worship. Just begin to worship the Lord and watch how it shatters the atmosphere. I was talking to a friend of mine. Um, he's a pastor down in Milwaukee, Pastor Flores, and we were talking. We'd been, we have sang for years together throughout different events and everything, and and we were talking a little bit about that, reminiscing a little bit, but talking about some of these amazing things that had happened or opportunities that we've been a part of. And, and, and I want you to know that one of, I feel like one of my gifts is singing. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm always on key, right? That doesn't mean it sounds always good, right? But, but I feel like it shatters the environment of where darkness is. They, they, were, singing, uh, they were singing the song, and uh, we don't do a lot of coordinating of, of the worship songs with the, with the singing. And I, I want to just read to you one of the lyrics. Said this, when you walk into the room, everything changes. Watch. And then he says, darkness starts to tremble at the light that you bring. Isn't that Amazing. See, these are some of the gifts. Your gift might be knowledge of the word of God. Your, your gift might be speaking. Your gift might be, your gift might be financing kingdom initiatives. Your gift might be of, of, of good housekeeping. It might be uh, environment. It could be your gift. Your gift could be administration. But these are gifts that are weapons that we use to push back evilness and to bring in the goodness of God, and allow it to shine more brighter. Brighter. Some of you have those as familiar weapons. Just recently, um, Rachel went to Madagascar, and she raised some money, and she used her activities and her, her abilities and her talents and treasure to go and do something. And I thought it might be nice that maybe we could talk to her a little bit. And it's one person and what gifts that they had. So, Rachel, would you please come? And I think before we start, we should give them a little video. Um, so, cue a video. 
There are so many unreached people around the world. The world's population is nearing the 8 billion people mark. Will someone go reach them? In Madagascar alone, there are almost 29 million people, with 11 million of them being children aged 15 and under. As we drove by villages, we wondered, will they ever hear the gospel? We need laborers to go into the harvest. We need people to go. The 2022 Next Steps team that trained in Madagascar received a special word from the Lord. This is the journey God has set before you. There is nothing that can stop His plan. This is not about you or what you can do. This is not about what you can accomplish with your own power. This is about being a tool in God's hands. This is about being a willing vessel in spite of your limitations, in spite of your weaknesses, and in spite of your past. God will use you for the miraculous. All of the honor and glory will go to Him if you will just make yourself available to be used. Walk in peace in Him, for His presence will go before you. understanding of his ways, his power, and his presence. You will begin to witness what he can do to and through you. You will go home changed, and hopefully you will never go back to being the old you. So Rachel went away to Madagascar, um, and uh, she went from June 2nd and came back July 29th. And we're glad to have you home. Amen. I'm sorry. We're glad to have you home. I saw some uh, Rachel sightings in that video. And uh, so we hope that maybe you can help us out and talk to us a little bit. So is it good to be back? So good. So good. Um, but I do miss it a lot. Amen. Um, what was it like first coming to Madagascar? Coming into Madagascar? Uh, it was very different. <laughs> it's Africa, if some of you don't know that. Um, so it's nothing like the movie. I will say that a lot. I got a lot of questions about that. Um, <laughs> you got to move it, move it. You got to move it. Um, so yeah, that that picture is kind of what everywhere looks like. There's a lot of people, um, a lot of busyness, and everyone walks. So, um, but it was. It was different. It was difficult at first. Um, I arrived two days before everyone with two other girls, so I was pretty much there alone, um, kind of navigating this new place that I'm going to be living in for two months. And um, I felt uncomfortable at first. And one thing that I learned was that it's harder to step into an uncomfortable situation when you're comfortable, but it's a lot easier to step into a 
a place out of your comfort zone when you're already in an uncomfortable place. That's so. that's so good. It's hard, or it's harder to step out of your comfort comfort area into an uncomfortable situation. But when you're already uncomfortable, yeah. it's easy to do uncomfortable things. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's amazing. How true. Yeah. How true. So um, I really <laughs> don't have adequate words to describe Madagascar. Um, but in my time there, I wrote things down day by day that kind of came to my mind. And it's how it affected my five senses. So I'm going to read it to you guys. Um, so I saw things that'll shock you. I saw sad things, the ways of life in Madagascar through a North American lens. The things you will see change the way you think. And you'll be grateful for God's blessings. I've seen people bathe in mucky, dirty water and wash their clothes in the same, then dry their clothes on the hillside. Seeing children with scraped up feet because they have no shoes, children with little to no clothes and their bodies full of sores, and the eyes that looked directly at me longing for help, then the smiles of children that seemed to have nothing. I heard a lot of things. Um, I heard strange sounds. Languages, children singing praise to Jesus in a different language, laughs, sounds that'll keep you awake, vehicles, the noise of the buzzing of people in markets, and the streets. You'll hear sounds that you'll never forget, and you may hear the unforgettable voice of God. Crickets that seem to be directly under my pillow, mm -hmm. the sound of the Next Steps group singing the blessing over Madagascar, the roar of prayers, the sound of dirt being swept every morning, and the sound of prayer and worship in chapel services every morning at 7 a.m. I tasted new foods, fruits, Malagasy meals. I tasted real life in Madagascar. I got a taste of missionary life, a taste of how our brothers and sisters worship God in a different language, a taste of how the blessings of God have touched those in Madagascar, and I've tasted bitterness after seeing how the people live in a third world country. I felt a lot of things. I felt weather. Cold water showers are truly unforgettable. <laughs> Feeling like a sardine after being crammed in a bus in services after two months. Highs and lows, homesickness, jet lag. There have been times that I couldn't identify how I felt. Overwhelmed with compassion. And I felt drawn to the Malagasy people through the heart of God. I felt pure joy while dancing and worshiping with the church. And I felt heartbreak as children hang onto our vehicles begging for money and help. I smelled a lot. Um, <laughs> I smelled fumes from vehicles, open-air markets, dorm rooms, biblical... Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so in the Bible, it talks about how some sacrifices were considered to be a sweet scent unto God, and some were considered like a horrible stench. And the Malagasy culture, the way that they sacrifice, resembles that sweet smell of sacrifice mm. that would be seen unto God. Um, Awesome. I smelled al altars crowded with smells that people don't care about when it comes to souls being saved. Children, breath after teeth haven't been brushed because of unavailable resources from the nationals. The smells of the cities and highly populated areas. And the smells of burning piles of trash. And the smell of Africa is neither good nor bad. It's just the smell of Africa. 
<laughs> hmm. um, I, what was kind of the food that you ate? Um, rice with every meal. Um, <laughs> ate a lot of bread, meat, and vegetables. What kind of meat? Zebu, like from Veggie Tales. Zebu. <laughs> It's like cattle over there, yeah, correct? Yeah. yeah, oh, that's... Cattle <laughs> with a hump, essentially. Cattle with a hump, that's great. Um, what, uh, maybe give them an idea of what your schedule was, like what your events that you did, how, how did the, how was the mission trip set up? So my first three weeks there, um, I was involved in training. Um, it was days from eight to four, classes back to back. Um, as much as it was training for missions work, it was more so a spiritual formation time. I figured out things about myself that I never knew. Um, doors opened. I heard the voice of God in many different ways. Um, and then the next, that next, the fourth week, we went to a week conference in Majunga. Um, so that was really cool. We had street services um, and then children and youth services and the night conference with everyone there. Um, and then the rest of the weeks um, was full of, like, English clubs. So I taught English, um, which was wild because I'm not good at that. Um, <laughs> English, I'm not good at English. That? No, no <laughs> certification. Um, and, yeah, we did a soccer camp. Um, and 11 kids were filled with the Holy Ghost at that soccer camp, which was amazing. Um, yeah, and then we took weekend trips and visited different churches. Hmm. Awesome. Um, what did you feel God did to ease you into this new environment, you know, of the, being on the missions field? Um, so in our three weeks of training, every morning we had prayer and devotion, um, and that prayer really was kind of like that starting line to take off, to take off for the next day or the, remi the remainder of the day, but then even the rest of the trip and even when I got home. Um, it was full of just so much power. There'd be focused prayer for certain things going on in Madagascar, but also the United States. We prayed for our churches. We prayed for you guys. Um, and... Then we continued that the next five weeks. We 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 all talked about like we can't just stop doing this. Like this has been such a strong. This has been something that we can hold on to. Like this unified prayer time. Um, so we continued to do that. And within, I guess, the whole weeks, oh, the whole eight weeks of doing that, um, prophecies were spoken and just the presence of God and you, you just don't want to leave. We were in such sweet moments with him. And yeah, you, I'd say that that would be what's what prepared. You, you said something you said when we were talking and preparing, you said, I didn't always understand the language, but I did understand the spirit. What did you mean by that? Um, well, if you don't know, they speak Malagasy um, and French, and I don't know any of those. So, <laughs> Also, okay, side note, in the first, in the weeks of training, we learned some Malagasy. So I know a little bit, but not enough to, like, get me through a whole service. Well, you got to, you got to help us, help us. 
Okay. Um, okay, when I say this, you have to shout hallelujah. You ready? Did I know Jay Sosi? Hallelujah. Did I know Jay Sosi? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So that means praise Jesus. Um, that's something that they greeted each other with everywhere you went. So you kind of, that was like the first thing we learned. They're like, okay, they're going to so greet you with say that. Say it so. slow. Say it slow. <laughs> De Raina. De Lina. De Lana. Roll the R. De Raina. <laughs> Jay Sosi. De Sosi. Yeah. Jay Sosi. Jay Sosi. De Lana. De, ra De Raina. Yeah. Jay Sosi. Just say it fast okay. and it'll Hallelujah. sound like Hallelujah. Right. <laughs> Perfect. De Lana. Jay Sosi. Yes. Absolutely. Um, so... We didn't know the language, and every service, the sermons, all the preaching was in Malagasy, uh, unless we spoke something, which happened. But um, it was it was difficult at first to get past that barrier. You know, we're we're trying to minister in the right in the right ways, and we're not even understanding what the sermon was about. You know, what do we pray for? What and. Um, I, I had to get past that, and once I did, I realized that I'm here in the same room with them. I'm here feeling the same presence that they're feeling, and there's nothing that's stopping that, there, nothing at all except ourselves. So that's kind of what I was referring to. Mm. Awesome. That's awesome. Um, when you mentioned that we have talents for God and to use as weapons, I... I like to think of our talents as weapons because God gave us those specifically. Um, for instance, if you have the, abil the ability to sing or speak, use them for his glory. They, he's given them to you for his purpose, and yeah. you use them. If you have the ability to encourage somebody, encourage somebody and do it for him. Um, I spoke a message to the Malagasy people about worship and they, all their musicians are self-taught. They play by ear. It's amazing. But with that, they do get prideful at times. And so I, I told them, I said, it's great that you do that and that you're able to do that. But if you're not doing it for God, if you're doing it for the world and to get fame, then it's really not worth anything. Um, but when, you're, when you shift your focus on God and using what he's given you, he's going he's gonna to get the glory, and you're going to receive that blessing from that. Um, so 1 Peter 4, 10, and 11 says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things may God be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Um, when I think of the lifestyle in Madagascar, I think of worship. Um, and that really shifted my perspective on my life. Worship is the weapon that shifts your focus and your mindset. And when we're in when we fix our eyes on the darkness of life and the, the struggles, when we invest our energy and our time into talking and worrying about them, they only seem to gain a stronger hold on our hearts and our minds. How true. And, but when we set our attention on worship, when we set our attention yeah. on God 
and what he's doing in that circumstance, we begin to remember who God is in the midst of it all. And when we're living a life of Christ, the world will tell you lies. They will come against you. But that's when you need to stand up and you need to put your foot down and just worship and praise God and remember who he has called you to be. The weapons are not bombs and guns, Mm -hmm. but they are worship. Amen. Yeah. So uh, that brings me to the story of Paul and Silas in the jail cell. Um, Acts 16, 25 and 26 kind of showcases that. And it says, And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. If I was in jail, I would not worship. I'm being honest. That that would be the last of my thoughts. That's not right, but I would not do that. I would be like, okay, what do I do next? I'd probably be thinking very negative thoughts. But when Paul and Silas were in jail, they worshiped in the most dire of circumstances. They, you spoke in the last service that they literally had bands around their hands, around their feet. They were going nowhere. Um, And the power and the results that their worship brought, it brought the jailer's entire family Mm -hmm. to know God and, and everyone else in that same jail to know God. And, um, I want to just remind you that when you're facing the challenges of life, just imagine the witness you'll provide if you stand and worship God and look to him to work all things out. You know, it's interesting, too, is like you said that about it work all things out or all things for your good. Um, they were falsely accused, Paul and Silas were, right? They, they were or, or wrongfully accused. Let me put it that way, wrongfully accused. Um, they were accused of... of talking about Jesus and everything and they got put in jail and they got these shackles on and everything and they got beaten. They they were they were stuck there in a place that they shouldn't have been and all of a sudden they decide, hey listen, I know what we should do. Let's worship God. All of a sudden they start worshiping God. It shatters the atmosphere. They used a weapon right a spiritual weapon. They shatter the atmosphere. There's an earthquake Everybody is free, and then this jailer gives his whole life and his family's life all come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's amazing. It's amazing. Um, would you, what was something that you feel that maybe God revealed to you while you were there? Um, within my time of training, I had two little phrases, quotes whatever you want to call them, um, that kept going through my mind. And the first one is that God puts valuable treasure in seemingly worthless vessels. Hmm. I say that to say, who am I? Who am I to have had the opportunity to go to Madagascar for two months? Who am I to be sitting here speaking to you guys right now? Who am I to sing on the platform on Sundays? Who am I to do anything but God? Yeah. has given me the opportunities. He, he's given me the talents and 
I've made myself available for that. Um, and to go on to the next one, it says, he doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. In Matthew, I think, maybe I shouldn't try. Matthew 14, 22, I think. Um, <laughs> it says that many are called, but few are chosen. And everyone is called. Everyone here in this room is called. But when are you going to make yourself available for him to qualify yeah. you and to choose to live a life that God has called you to do? Um, that's, yeah, amen. <laughs> that's, that's right, that's right. Um, you were telling me about this little girl you met. Mm -hmm. um, I think it was in a service or something, and, and there's something to do with hair clips. Maybe you could talk about that. Yeah, so the picture up on this screen um, is very special to me. It doesn't look anything but hair clips to you guys, but I'm going to tell you. <laughs> um, so in our conference, the week-long conference in Majunga, um, Saturday night service, it was altar call and... Um, been doing my thing, been praying, and God kind of directed me to this girl. She was probably 13 or 14 years old, and she was seeking the Holy Ghost. And I had seen her seeking for the whole week, pretty much, and she was so hungry. I started praying with her. Um, about 30 minutes went by, and still nothing. And, okay. When somebody's speaking in another language, you're like, how do I know? That's what I questioned. I was like, how do I literally know when they're speaking in tongues if I don't even understand what they're saying in the first place? But I found out. Um, it's beautiful because there's that spirit switch that you, you just know. And um, so I'm praying, I'm praying, and I'm like, God, pray this prayer. And... Um, Within three minutes of that, she started speaking in tongues. And it was just such a beautiful moment because within me, I was getting a little frustrated. I was questioning, like, you clearly see that she's hungry, and, like, why? And within that, those couple minutes. Um, so anyway, after service, she came to me, kissed me on the cheek, said something. I'm sure it was, like, thank you or something. But... <laughs> Um, went on Sunday morning she found me again and she gave me those hair clips um, it reminds me of the story in the Bible when the widow gave her last coins mm. to Jesus and Jesus taught the disciples that those three coins were worth more than what the rich gave because it's all that she had yet she gave from the nothing that she had. And I look at those clips, and yeah, they're used. They're old. They're rusted. But it's all she had. And she still felt like she needed to give me something for praying with her. And it's just such a... That in itself showcases the Malagasy culture in their giving. Um, they really don't have much, yet they give their all. That kind of leads into this next question. Um, do you have any stories or any that, that kind of gave you a picture of what God is doing in Madagascar? Yes. Yeah, so um, 
in one of our train in one of our classes um, we were asked to all close our eyes and it was dead silence like it was weird it was really weird um, but the first thing that came to our heads we had to write down whether it was a feeling a thought a phrase picture whatever it was we wrote it down we drew it so we were strategically picked on to say what God told us or showed us and um, I along with a few other people had the same image and it was the hands of God coming out from the sky and a few other people had the same image of the fire falling down on the youth of Madagascar um, and that there was going to be a great outpouring and a call that callings were going to be placed on the youth and it's beautiful today somebody from the first service came up to me her talent is pre or is painting and she painted the same image of those combined and I don't know what that means I don't know what God's going to do through that but I need you to know that he's a, he's a living God and he's a working God and he's a speaking God. Whether, he, whether you hear his voice, whether you see him, he's here. Over, you had multiple services and I heard that you found out how many were filled with the Holy Spirit. How many? 951 were filled with the Holy Ghost when I was there. Woo! <clears throat> I wonder if you could share one more story. And the story is one of your last services. And uh, something happened in the service, and you guys had to respond. Maybe you could talk about that. So, um... Sorry. Uh, so in one of our last services, um, got it. <laughs> um, there was such a sweet presence of God. You, within pulling up into the, the road, the alley that led to the church, you could just feel such a pulling, like, okay, this is the place I want to be. This is, this is the place. And you walked in and every seat was full and they were just worshiping. They were praying and they were taking their time. And the only thing that I have to describe it is when I look back in scripture and it, in, in Acts, sorry. <laughs> and when it says that like a mighty rushing wind, like his spirit fell like a mighty rushing wind and that's exactly what 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 that brought me to is this is what happened on the day of Pentecost. This is what it sounded like. This is what it felt like. It the windows were open too, just like in the upper room. They actually didn't have windows, so mm -hmm. <laughs> but it, it just brought me to that image in the Bible. And then all of a sudden the lights go out. All the yes. electricity. Yeah. So this is um, in the middle of preaching 
everything went out. The, the mics, any source of electricity they had, it went out. Normal for them, weird for us. We're like, is somebody going to fix it? <laughs> but um, they went on. They were screaming the sermon across the congregation. And um, at the end, our the Next Steps team went up across the platform and we held out our flashlights for the altar service. You um, used the lights on the altar service so that people could see when they were getting prayed for. We all have gifts. We all have talents. We all have treasure. We all have only what we have. Some of you are prayer warriors. Some of you know the Bible. And each of our gifts are to be used to push back evilness in this world. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's who we are. We're here to let our light so shinely bright, brightly shine, I'm sorry, for the, the world. There is hope. I wonder if you could stand with me. I'm going to ask Rachel to pray for us in a second. Today, uh, my hope is, is that you're inspired to know that you have something to offer this world. My hope is, is that you're inspired to do something that pushes back the evilness in this world. That you use your weapons. The weapons we use are not carnal. And so, Rachel, I wonder if you would just pray for everybody at this time. God, I thank you for your presence, oh God. I thank you for all that you are, all that you do, and all that you continue to be, God. But I pray, God, that your, your name would be lifted up in each of our circumstances, Lord. But I pray, God, over this congregation, Jesus, everyone that is in the sound of my voice, Lord. God, that you would bless them. God, that you would bring healing, Lord God. Lord, I speak the name of Jesus over every situation. Every person that needs healing, God. Every person that needs freedom. Every person that needs hope. Pray, God, that your grace, oh God, and your mercy would be over each and every one of us. Bless us, Jesus. In your name, God. Amen. In Jesus' name.